Welcome to our last Sunday in this amazing series called The Real You. My name is Lucas Prado and I'm the Pickering site pastor. It seems like yesterday that we have launched Pickering last November. And since then, I have been the blessed one with a great community there. So everyone from Pickering and west of Pickering, I miss you so, so, so much. And for everyone like coming from all the other sides, if you're visiting us for the first time or wherever you are in the world, it is so good to be here with you. Let me tell you a bit about myself. I'm a father of two amazing little kids. My girl Nina, she's three. My boy Ben, he's one and a half. And my loving kids, the result of a love story. I have been married for 11 years with my pretty mama, Maria, whom I love deeply. Uh, and by now, like, if you don't know me, you might be wondering, like, where I'm from because of my accent. Well, six years ago, my wife and I, we came here to Toronto all the way from Brazil. Yes, the awesome country of Brazil, five times champs of the World Cup, soccer, the real football, Rio, Sao Paulo. I'm from Sao Paulo. Great barbecue. I love barbecue and extremely friendly people. So we came here and till now, all our family and our relatives, they all live there in Brazil. I was raised there in Brazil and... Uh, part of my background was shaped and formed in my local church there. I was part of a Nazarene church, a quite large and vibrant church there. Uh, and it was interesting because the auditorium, specifically the stage of the church, was something quite interesting, like the one that I'm standing here right now. Every single speaker that would come to that stage, he would, they would face the audience, of course, and they would see on the back of the wall this short sentence in pretty big, bold, golden letters. It said, preach the words. And by word, it means the word of God, the Bible. And why I'm saying this with you, because this is how I feel coming here today. For me, it's such a privilege to speak here today, because it is a privilege to be part of a church that wholeheartedly preaches and lives by the word of God. Pastor John is fantastic, an excellent teacher, and I give thanks to our leaders, Pastor Dave, Pastor John, and all our awesome staff for investing and developing all of us. Thank you so much. And it hasn't been like amazing that now in this series that we talk about our true identity. We have heard from all these different men and women from our church and also outside of our church. And isn't that like amazing that as we talk about our identity, our true identity found in God, we can hear from all these different speakers, each one of them with their personality, their gifts, their traits. And yet all of us, we share our core identity in Christ. Come on, like, this is amazing. This is the body of Christ. This is the church. Like a, a community with all these different members coming together, joining, growing together in unity. And like, I remember this passage in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 that says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. By the way, who said it? Paul. And yes, we're going to be closing off our series talking about him and how through his life we can see our true identity in God. But talking about Paul is never easy. It can be challenging because Paul, he's one of the greatest geniuses of humanity. Paul, uh, he was responsible and used by God to create the synthesis between the Jewish community, the Jewish tradition, the Greek philosophy. He was contemporary to great philosophers like Seneca. And also the Roman law, the Roman politics, because he was a Roman citizen. And creating this synthesis, he played a fundamental role, establishing what we call the pillars of the Western society, the Western civilization, which is a Jewish Roman civilization. Also, Paul, like in the New Testament, we have 27 books. And Paul, he wrote 13 of them, the Pauline letters. And not just that, but also the book of Acts 
The second volume written by Luke dedicates half of its content talking about Paul. Here we see like how actually great he was. N.T. Wright, like a great theologian, he wrote a biography on Paul and he says this, consider the remarkable facts. Paul's letters, in a standard modern translation, they occupy fewer than 80 pages. Even taken as a whole, they are shorter than almost any single one of Plato's dialogues or Aristotle's treatise. It is a safe bet to say that these letters, page for page, they have generated more comments, more sermons and seminars, more monographs and dissertations than any other writings from the ancient world. It is as though eight or ten small paintings from an, by an obscure artist were to become more sought after, more studied and copied, more highly valued than all the Rembrandts, Titians, Monets, and Van Goghs in the world. Paul's legacy is huge. But see, the value of life cannot, cannot only be summarized by achievements, accomplishments. True value is revealed by the whole process of life from beginning to the end. And in that whole process from A to Z, in the middle stages of life, that's when we truly see our identity being revealed, exposed, shaped, found, and transformed. Well, the beginning of Paul's life. Paul, he was a Jew by birth, a Roman by citizenship a Greek by education, a Pharisee by conviction. And he came from a Jewish family, and his family belonged to the tribe of Benjamin. Paul had two names. Paul, his Greek name, the one that he got famous for, and also Saul, the name that represented the chief hero of his own tribe, King Saul. He was from Tarsus, a noble city in Cilicia, the southeast corner of what we call now the modern Turkey. And it was a very important city of philosophy, of education, politics, industry. Paul, he spoke several languages. He spoke Hebrew, Aramaic, Greek, Latin. And although he grew up like in this very diverse society, his parents, they made sure that he knew who God was, Yahweh, the God of their people, the people of Israel, and also the whole history of God's mission to their people. Paul, he was knowledgeable about his faith with the Torah, the Jewish Bible, in his hands, in his mind, and also his lips. Paul, later on in his young adult life, he was also an apprentice of one of the greatest rabbis of his time, Gamaliel. And there he learned more and more, and his zeal grew stronger and stronger. Paul was becoming like pretty famous among his whole group, and he also became quite radical. He was a Pharisee, the sect of Jews that was known by their strict zeal to the laws of God. Paul became part of the radical ones that would even like use violence to confront, condemn, and even extinct the infidels. In his letter to the Philippians, Paul, he gives us a quick bio. He says, Paul, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. His whole background, his education, outstanding intellect, and his whole choices in life made him a man with a mission. His identity till now was rooted in what he had learned, and he became a reflection of his own convictions. He knew the meaning of life and also what's worth living for, dying for, and even killing for. Paul thought that he had a very clear mission in life. And isn't that the same with us? All of us, like, we come from specific backgrounds. 
is exposed to culture, language, education, religion. But there comes to a point in life where we start to make our own decisions. We start to track our own mission, our own path. But eventually, like some of us, like we get ourselves trapped in a mission that doesn't reflect who we are, but simply what we heard, what we do, and how others perceive us. And this is where Paul, he was. And now for him, his mission was even more clear. It was clear. Why? Because during his time, there was a new group of Jewish people. These ones, they were called the followers of Jesus. And they claimed that Jesus performed signs, wonders, miracles, and that he was the Messiah. He was the one that all the prophets in the Bible, they said that he would come to set the people of Israel free. Well, Jesus, he came. He lived he grew his band of uh, disciples, and he died. But now his followers, they are claiming that he was raised from the dead after three days. And they're going like all over the places declaring this lie for him. For Paul, this was a lie. So now his mission was even more focused. I need to confront. I need to combat. I need to shut off this madness. And this is what he's doing. In Acts 7, it shows how they capture one of the followers, Stephen. And they questioned him, they accused him, and they stoned him to death. And Acts 8 verse 1 says, Saul, Paul's Hebrew name, approved of their killing him. Again, a man with a mission, a man with his own mission, with his mission of his truth. But his truth made him blind. His convictions made him graceless. No love or sympathy to others. But remember what I said before. True value in life, it is not only manifested in the beginning or the end, but it's like actually in the middles that things can take a whole different form and everything can be completely new. Well, the middle has come to Paul. Acts chapter 9 verse 1 says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, these men and women that they said they were from the way of Jesus, that Jesus proclaimed that he was the way, the truth, and the life, well, Paul, he might take them as prisoners back to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell, he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The crucial middle stage of Paul's life had arrived, and things are not going to be the same anymore. Here he is following his mission when suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and the light was so powerful, so strong, that he couldn't maintain balance of his own body, and he fell to the ground. But not simply that, he hears a voice. Paul, since he was a boy, he heard like about all these men and women in the Bible that they had a divine encounter with a divine voice of God. He can remember about Abraham, Moses, prophet Samuel. And now he is, is here like standing on the ground and he hears a voice. So, so, why do you persecute me? Immediately he asks, who are you, Lord? Lord. He used the word Lord because he knows the, the voice is coming from heaven. And there's an immediate reverence to the voice. But the answer caught him off guard. The voice replied, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. Let us think for a moment. The voice didn't say, I'm Yahweh, 
I'm God. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. The voice didn't say, I'm the Christ, I'm the Messiah, because truly Saul, as well, the whole Jewish community, they believed the Messiah one day would come to set all of them free. No, the voice was precise, revealing the identity of one man who came to earth, who lived his life, developed all his followers, died on the cross, and now all his followers, they're saying that he was raised from the dead. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. The voice said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. Jesus, with his voice, tells him to get up and go to Damascus. He was so, the light was so strong that he was blind temporarily. His companions had to grab him by hand and take him to Damascus. And there he was for three days and three nights, blind, alone, not eating nor drinking anything. Can you imagine what was going through his mind? Can you imagine all his thoughts, his emotions, how shaken he was by that experience? One scholar, he put it this way, this moment shattered Saul's wildest dreams and at the same split second fulfilled them. This was, he saw it in that instant, the fulfillment of Israel's ancient scriptures, but also the utter denial of the way he had been reading them up to that point. The writer, Luke, he continues the, stor the story. Verse 10, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord told him, go to the houses of Judas on straight streets and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. Verse 13, Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, hey, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, Lord, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's so much to digest here, but we've got to dive deeper, like in the relevance of this moment. One, it is so good to see how God chooses to fulfill his mission. He could do this like by himself, with no help, no hesitation at all. But essentially, because his mission is ultimately a mission of love, he always chooses to invite us to participate and be active in his mission. That's why he chose Ananias. And that's why he keeps inviting us to join his mission. Second, it's interesting that Ananias, he heard God's voice, heard his commands, but he decided to argue with God. And he did it so because he was afraid. He heard like all these rumors, evidences, facts about Paul. But see, Ananias, he had this small picture. But our God, he has the big picture. Our God who was and is and is to come knew already the past, present, and so much more the future. And he invites Ananias to go there. And he goes, he obeys God. Why? Obedience is always, always better than understanding. Obedience trumps Reasoning, I don't always understand what's going on, but I can choose to obey God and trust him no matter what. And Ananias, he goes, and it's mind-blowing to me, the first two words that comes out of his mouth. He says, brother, so, brother, for real? This guy, this persecutor, he is a brother? 
It's like if the same would happen during the civil rights movement in the 50s and 60s, and Jesus guides a black man to go and have an encounter with a radical member of the KKK. How shocking, how countercultural. And then Ananias goes and he calls him brother. Welcome to the fam. Come, brother. Not simply that, but he places his hands on him. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. In verse 18, immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. Paul's life was completely disrupted. It would never be the same again. Disruption is the real name of this change here. There's a big difference between interruption and disruption. Interruption is an abrupt pause. It's a break in the continuity. But, but eventually, like, things, they go back on track. It's like when you're watching TV and suddenly we interrupt your program to bring you breaking news. Disruption is much deeper. It's a term used to describe the alteration, dysfunction, or breakdown of social life often in a community setting. Social disruption implies a radical transformation in which the old certainties of modern society are falling away and something quite new is emerging. This is what Paul experienced. His life was disrupted, and it is here in the middle stage of his life that he discovers his true identity. He discovers the real Paul, and God calls him not to be a hater, not to be a seeker of his own justice, not to carry out his own mission with no grace at all. No, the God who made him in a wonderful and fearful way, the God called him by name, chose him, and now God is inviting him actually to follow a higher mission in life. Why? Because there is a higher mission for us, and it is worth living for. And his name is here, Jesus Christ. This changes everything. And it changed the course of his life, ministry, legacy, and the whole world around him. From there, he goes to Damascus, and he's preaching about Jesus Christ. He goes to Arabia, Tarsus, Jerusalem, Antioch, and he's, pre he's preaching Jesus he meets with the other apostles. He develops followers of Jesus Christ. He travels all over performing signs, wonders, miracles. He establishes these community churches, writes letters to all of them. Why he's doing all of this? Because now he knows who he is, a child of God, chosen by God, and now he knows his core identity. He is commissioned by God. In Acts 13, Paul is in Antioch, and he declares the mission that God has given him. He says, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. There's something, something so special here with this passage because he's quoting from Isaiah 49.6. And this passage as well, the whole chunk of chapters from 40 to 55 in the book of Isaiah, it talks about the servant of the world. And now Paul, witnessing God's grace, mercy, and love, he knows that Jesus Christ, he is the highest servant of all who suffered rejection and death that came here to, to serve and gave his life as an offering and ransom to all who believe in him. But not simply that, but now Jesus, the highest servant, invites him, Paul, to also go in this servant mission to become a servant of Jesus Christ, become a servant of God. And this is the ultimate mission of life. Romans 1, 5, he says, through him, Jesus Christ, we received grace and a commission 
as an apostle to bring about faithful obedience among all the Gentiles for the sake of his name. Commission. Commission means sending together. It comes from the Latin commissio, co with missio, mission, with a mission. And it's not your own mission. It's a mission given to you. It's an apostolic mission that simply means a mission to be sent. And I got to tell you something. You and I, we are commissioned by God. Our core identity in Christ is that we are commissioned by him. Remember when Jesus Christ, after he was resurrected, what he told his disciples, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Our mission in life is rooted in our true identity. We are commissioned. That's why here at Sanctus Church, our mission is what? To glorify God by enabling people of all ages to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And you don't have to be a pastor, have a title, or whatever to live God's commission. It's not a certificate. Or actually, the certificate is the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, shed on the cross for you. That if you believe in him, you are saved. Your salvation is the stamp in your heart that you are called and you're commissioned by God. This is your true identity. But you got to know one more thing about commission. Commission is entrusted authority. Yes, before Jesus, before he told all his disciples to go, he told them before, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And he didn't simply vanish to heaven. No, he told he was going to be dwelling among them through the Holy Spirit. And next to the Holy Spirit came, empowered, equipped. They received all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And now they know the authority that they have in Christ to go out there and live God's kingdom. I love what Charles Crafts said in his book, I Give You Authority. Our authority is the God-given right to receive and use God's power that flows from the indwelling Holy Spirit. See, the problem that we have sometimes isn't a lack of faith. But the problem is that we don't realize the authority that we have in Christ. You're not supposed to simply ask God to increase your faith. No, your mustard seed is already there. But what you and me, we got to do, we need to raise our awareness of our authority in Christ. And he has given to us. And perhaps you're thinking, but how? How am I going to do this? Let me tell you something. Wherever you are, whatever you do, that's where he wants you to start. If you're in the marketplace, in the health fields, education, government, entertainment, media, family, that's where you are commissioned. Perhaps you're in school, you're a teenager, young adults. Perhaps you're laid off, like wondering what I'm going to do with my life from now on. Let me tell you something. In this disruptive moment of society, God, he wants to talk to you, tell you who you are in him. And he wants to commission you, commission you to go and preach the good news of the gospel. That Jesus has died and he is resurrected and he lives inside of each one of us. I don't know if you ever, ever like stopped to think about this. But Toronto is the most multicultural city in the world. 51% of the population, they are immigrants here. And this is where God has placed you and me to be in. If you're here, like you got to know that God is raising us and he's calling us, he's commissioning us to go out there and bring the best news ever that God loves them so much. Pretty much every single day, my family and I, we go out in our neighborhood for a walk. 
And we have been able to engage in meaningful conversations with our neighbors. And the message that God keeps like putting in my heart is only one. Love them, Lucas. Love them because I love them and my love displayed in you will draw them near to me. And no higher love than this, for God so much loved the world that he gives his, his one and only son, Jesus Christ, that whoever shall believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Come on, you and I, we are commissioned to live for God. We're commissioned to bring this good news, the death and resurrection of Jesus. And once you know you're identity in Christ, once you know you're commissioning him, your response is simply this, boldness. Yes, you heard me right, boldness. Once you know who you are in Christ, and once you know that I no longer live, but Christ lives inside of me, Come on, like you know that now with this, I need to live for you, God. And because you have this ultimate mission in my life, I want to live for you alone. And we see this in the life of the Apostle Paul. Paul, after that disruptive moment, disruptive transformation with Jesus, he went everywhere with boldness. In Acts 9.27, we see Paul preaching boldly in Damascus. He went to Jerusalem and there he was preaching boldly in the name of Jesus. Acts 13.46 Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly. In Athens, boldly. In Ephesus, spoke boldly. To the king Agrippa in Acts 26, boldly. Can you see the pattern? Paul lived a bold life. And boldness, let me tell you, is not an Enneagram type. Boldness is not a matter of personality. It's not about like being uh, extroverted or introverted. No, boldness is our response to our true identity in Christ. We are commissioned by him. And because in him we live, we move, and we have our whole being, we want to do his will in our lives. It doesn't mean you're not going to be afraid to take risks, that God is going to call you. And believe me, he's going to call you to take risks. But boldness means that despite your fear, despite people's opinions, you choose to boldly obey the one who has called you, commissioned you to go and proclaim this wonderful news. But let me warn you with one more thing. It is boldness in Christ and not boldness in you. Let me say this again. It is boldness in Christ and not boldness in you. It's not about your talents. It's not about what you're able to perform, what you're able to do. It's not about your gifts that God has given to you. No, it's about his grace. In 1 Corinthians 15.10, Paul says, By the grace of God, I am what I am. Later, later on the second letter, he said, I will not boast about myself, except about my weaknesses. It's boldness in humility. We're living in such tough times right now, with lots of intolerance, lots of ego, fights, injustice, racism. And can I be honest with you? Like people, they're standing firm to their grounds, their own convictions. But now is the time that God is calling us, his church, to stand up and boldly declare, serve, and live the gospel. We're commissioned by God not to be silent, but we're commissioned by him to go and proclaim the best news ever in the world. And he wants to use you. He wants to empower you. The Holy Spirit of God, he wants to talk to you in a powerful way and use you to go out there and bring God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Come on, like, it doesn't break your heart. During this pandemic, and it's been such a, like, a tough moment, but can you see all the people that they're lost, that they don't know about your God? Can you see them when you go to the grocery stores? 
Can you see in your Zoom meetings, in your circle of friends and family, in your neighborhood? My prayer is, God, please break my heart for what breaks yours. And the whole thing, all the things that they're wrong in the world, so we're not supposed to be okay with that. But quite the opposite. We got, we got to say, God, please use us boldly. Talk to us and inspire Holy Spirit with creativity so we can bring your kingdom here to this world. Let me share something with you. As I said, like I was born and raised in Brazil. And since I was a small kid, I knew that God had a specific purpose in my life. I knew that he had a mission for me. When I became a teenager, I wanted also to follow my own dreams, my own plans. And it was interesting because on one hand, I would pray to God, God, here I am, send me. But on the other, I, was, I, I pray, God, please like, send me on my own way. And my dream in life was I would love to be an executive, a successful executive in the corporate world. And this is what I was tracking to. But it's interesting that God, he has like higher plans for our lives. As soon as I got married, this was at the end of 2008, great things happened. Of course, I got married, the best ever. But right after that, also, I was invited to join a multinational company in Sao Paulo City in the financial sector. My dream was coming true. I finished university, my bachelor's of economics, international relations, and there I was. But also a few months later, beginning of 2009, my church back home, recognizing God's calling my life, they invited me for a pastoral position. So here I was, newlyweds, working full-time in the financial sector, and also serving as a pastor in my local church. Things were pretty busy. But it was right there that also something incredible happened on top of these amazing things. In 2009, like, God came to me and my wife, and he gave us a word. And he told us, wait five years, because in five years, I'm going to change your homeland. Five years passed by. In five years, the things, they were great. I could see God using me powerfully in the workplace, and also at church, like, things that were growing exponentially. It was incredible. But during those five years, something started to change with my heart. Suddenly, it wasn't anymore about, God, my will I want to do. But I was, God, please, I want to do your will in my life, no matter what. At church, financial sector, or whatever, God, I want to serve you. I want to fulfill your mission in my life. Five years passed. 2014 came. Long story short, I won't go into other details, but God, he fulfilled his promise. God, he gave us a commission to me and my wife to leave our country, leave our family, leave our job, leave my job, my career, my ministry and everything. And he brought us here to Toronto, Canada. And gladly we came. Why? Because we knew that this is our identity. Hearing from him and obeying his voice was the best thing ever in life. So boldly we came. Because we know this is us. This is the real us. And I finish sharing the words of the Apostle Paul with you. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. Our identity in Christ is this. We are commissioned by God. Perhaps you're listening and you are a seeker, skeptic. 
Perhaps like you have never like had an experience with Jesus Christ or you're lost in your own mission. Let me tell you, like he is talking to you and he wants to show you who he is, who you are and the great mission that he has for your life. And simply what you got to do is declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. If you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, I want to pray for you right now. So where you are, just like close your eyes and repeat after me. Say, Jesus Christ, I give you my heart. I surrender my life to you. I know you made me for a purpose, for a mission, and I want to fulfill and live for your mission. I confess my sins. I confess that I'm lost without you. But Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life, and now I'm found in you. Please come and change my heart. In Jesus' name I pray to you. Amen. If you pray that for the first time, we would love to meet you and help you out in your journey. Also, for all of us here, all of us hearing this message, we're living in a disruptive moment in society. And God, he's speaking to us. He's not, he's not at all quiet. And he wants us to know our true identity in him so we can live for him alone. Wherever you are right now, can you just stop for a second? Close your eyes and say, God, I'm done trying to live by myself. I want to live for you, God, because I know this is my identity. I am commissioned by you. Let me pray for all of us. Dear God, thank you for this moment. In the Holy Spirit of God, without you, we are lost. Thank you because now you remind us our true identity, our core identity, that we are commissioned by you, God. And boldly, you invite us to live this bold life, not to do our will, but to do your will here on earth as it is in heaven. And we ask you, please, we want to be sensitive to your voice and speak to us. Give us creativity, God. Show us how you want to use us here in this world. But do it, God, because we want to live for you alone. In Jesus' name, I pray to you, God. Amen. Thank you so much for this time all together. May God bless you very much and guide you in his ways. Come on, live a bold life because this is who you are. You are commissioned by him. This is the real you.